Uh, so this episode is going to be a bit harder for me than a lot of other ones. Uh, something really fucked up happened, and I'm I'm home sooner than I expected. To be honest, I'm I, just so for those who don't know, I went to an MUN in Maastricht for the week, and I was supposed to come back to Hamburg tomorrow, and I had a flight tomorrow, and it's still there. You know, I'm just not going to be flying. And I arrived today at 6 in the morning after a basically 14-hour bus ride, two bus rides, separate bus rides. And I just needed to get home as soon as possible. And I'll get, I'll get to what's happened through, <laughs> through this podcast episode and just tell you about the experience I went through. And it's something I have to share. It's not easy to share, to be honest, but you guys are like family to me and I have to share this with you. It's a bit difficult to say, to be honest, and I've been procrastinating on recording, but I have four hours before midnight and uh, <laughs> I have to record, right? So, uh, in, back in September or October, I applied to become a chair for Euroman, uh, European Model United Nations, which is in Maastricht, and... I got accepted, I wrote a study guide with my co-chairs, and six months later, seven months later, so right now, I I went to Maastricht, and I was I was so excited, because I went two years ago, and in MUNs, you meet some of the most interesting people, fun, open, playful, and I went and you know, I tried to not have expectations, but, you know, I, I was just excited, I'm like, yeah, for, for sure, no matter what, I'll meet someone interesting. And I did. I met a lot of interesting and cool people, for sure. And, you know, I loved my, my delegates over there. And I, I had 34 delegates in my forum. We were ECOSOC, Economic and Social Council. And for those who don't know, an MUN is a simulation of the United Nations meant to be done by and for students. So delegates represent countries. So students represent countries and debate on topics from the point of view of that country with other delegates. And for me, it's it's important because I, I think like I, I made this like grandiose speech before we started our committee. And uh, I told my delegates, you know, like this is a simulation and this is a game. And I, I didn't start it off like that. I started it off by asking them a show of hands for who here is scared. And like four people raised their hands and I looked at them and I'm like, it takes a special type of courage to to admit that you're scared in front of everyone and that's going to help you in your life. And then I went off, you know, because, <laughs> you know, this ad admitting you're afraid in front of all these strangers that you don't know. And then I went ahead and continued with that, that we're all strangers here and we don't know each other, but we're going to spend the next four days with each other to really debate these things. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be under very different circumstances you're not really used to. But just by being here, you guys are making the world a better place. And I truly see it like that. It might not seem like it right now, but when in history were we able to actually sit here, people from all over the world, and not just any people, but the youth, the, <laughs> the youth, the future, basically, sitting together and mixing, understanding each other and learning from each other and growing together. So I made that very clear from the start that you know, this is the space for each and every one of you to make mistakes. And just by being here, you are making the world a better place because you are the future. So it was about a four and a half minute speech, actually. And uh, 
and it set the tone for the rest of the conference and and we had a lot of fun and I saw my delegates grow in front of me like uh, like nothing before you know they were at the beginning they they might have been a bit scared but quickly they got so over that and they were so excited to engage in debate and it was very clear to them why they were there now but I've never had a chair that made that clear to me and I wanted to make that clear for them I was there for them to make sure that they grow but aside from that there were uh, social events that were happening each night and I didn't go to the first social event I actually had a friend of mine in Maastricht that I haven't seen in two years about and I texted her and she ended up being in the city and I went and I saw her and we hung out together and I hung out with her until like three in the morning uh (laughs) I yeah and she lived right next to where the first social event happened on Friday night and actually Thursday night Thursday night so at three in the morning, I ended up going to that social just to see what's happening. So, but I couldn't enter. I just stayed outside. I ended up befriending the bouncer and he let me in, but <laughs> I stayed outside and I found this like group of people. and I started talking to them. There were three French girls and one Italian guy, I think that could also speak French. And I talked to those, those, that group and I ended up <laughs> flirting with this, one of those girls at, at one point. And then they had to go home and I had to go home. And then I went home. And uh, no, I, I saw my friend again. I went to, back to her place and she actually lent me her bike for the next day. And that was amazing. Thanks, Carly. <laughs> I hope I get her on the podcast actually at some point. Uh, she has such a wonderful heart. So I went back home that day and I had like amazing sleep. And then the next day I had my committee and uh, we debated and debated and debated. And the thing is, is that on Friday night there was a talent show and I wanted to I wanted to perform, right, in front of everyone. And you guys know what my talent is. I can I can clap with one finger and just one hand. So I wanted to, I've never performed in front of anyone. And I thought, you know, I want to push my limits. I want to perform in front of people and see if I can do this. So I, I told them, you know, I want to perform for the talent show. And I focused on making that happen. And I talked to the right people. And I had a friend of mine who helped me make it happen. Uh, Lubo, he half high, half half Siberian and half Hungarian, uh, a nice mix and really down to earth, amazing guy. So he made it happen, and uh, I I went to the venue early on. Uh, before the venue, I went back to the hotel and I, you know, practiced for like thirty minutes, found the right song, practiced on it, edited out like thirty seconds from it, so it's a bit shorter. And then I went there with a the USB, and just my body, you know, like I am prepared. But Lubo actually had a Friday the 13th mask from, uh, or not Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre mask, the white mask with just a bit of red around the mouth. And I wanted to wear that because I wanted to be anonymous. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't want anyone to really know who I was. And this wasn't something that I wanted to, to take full credit for, let's say. I just wanted to give this to the people without me having anything to do with it, you know. <laughs> so I planned it out so that I'd wear the mask and wear a hoodie and go on stage and play the song and uh, make it seem as if at the beginning I I just at the beginning of the song I begin learning how that I can actually clap with one finger and then when the song like really hits then I'm clapping like with all of my with my hands like full on for the next three minutes and then at the, the end I sort of lose that ability again and <laughs> I like let's let's go back like before I performed. Now I told them I want to be the last person to perform, 
because I wanted to put everyone in that mood of, you know, what the hell is this? What's going on? And just surprise them. Uh, because it is the shock factor behind this talent is insane, right? So I went I went to the talent show venue a bit earlier at 8.30 and the talent show started at like 9.15. So, and I performed maybe at 11.30, something like that. So I went I went uh, and I checked the mic, I checked the, the lighting, the everything, prepared, told them like how I wanted to be, where to put the chair, how high to put the mic, microphones and all of that. And it was fun because I was never in that situation before and I found myself really telling them, okay, this has to be exactly like this, the light has to be on like this, turn on the music five seconds after I sit down. Uh, I go to the light guy and I'm like, you sure you can get the light right? You sure you can get the mic right? You sure you can get the music right? I want this to be perfect. And I was like coordinating with them and I, I liked that, you know. But otherwise I had to like wait between the audience until my turn came up. So I was sitting with Lubo actually and I saw two girls to my right, to my left actually, just sitting next to me exactly. So I just said hi and they were really excited to talk and they're like, hey, what's up? And one of those girls, you know, started telling me about how her favorite artists, her favorite musician back in, back in the States did a tour in Europe in antique type theaters where the acoustics of her instrument would really be loud and well heard so that she she thinks that this theater that we're in right now would have been perfect for her artist and i'm just like cool this is nice input you know continue talking interesting and she continued talking and she started telling me about how she lives her life in accordance to systems and she seemed like really playful and really ready to engage and active you know just just like me i thought wow this person is very similar to me how odd and I wouldn't have been able to experience that if I didn't say hi. You know, I, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And she had to perform too. She she wanted to play the ukulele. And she she did play at some point and we all sang together and everything. But after we, we talked for like maybe 10, 15 minutes and then uh, I sat away for like half an hour and then I went back and we talked a bit more. And then we, me, her and her friend, we went to this other room uh, we went to this other room in the venue, which was just filled with really nice couches. It's like you enter and it's this white room with mirrors to the side, a few antique tables, which are perfect to have tea on or yeah. And there's couches to around the room that just looked like nice, nice couches. So I look at them, I'm like, you guys want to take pictures? And they're like, hell yeah, we want to take pictures. And they sit down and they start taking pictures. I start taking pictures of them and you guys know me, I'm just playful as hell and I, I, I saw this person as a type of person who's very playful too, so I was like, sure, let's be playful. Actually, before we went to this room, there was a competition on stage and uh, I don't know what to, what to call her, the, the person that holds the mic on stage and, and introduces everyone, the main speaker, let's, uh, the entertainer or announcer. She says, okay, we need a volunteer for this competition. Is there anyone willing to come up? And this girl actually went up instantly without even thinking about it. And I was like, then again, I thought to myself, well, oh, how similar is she to me? Because she's so ready to engage without that fear. And I like that. So then <laughs> later on, I'm taking pictures of her and her friend on the couch. And they start, you know, doing different poses. She puts her legs on top of her friend and they're playing around and I'm laughing and I'm taking pictures and at some point they look at, look at each other and their faces are direct, directly next to each other and they start laughing. I'm like, I'm still taking pictures. I tell them, okay, now now kiss. 
And they look at me like, what? And I'm like, I was just joking. I laugh it off and I continue taking pictures and we continue and they go to another couch. And sorry, the table. And we start taking pictures on the table. And then we're done and I'm talking to them. And then her friend tells me that she actually has a boyfriend. So you, like, you shouldn't hit on her. And I'm like, oh, in my head, I think to myself, like, uh, it's a sort of a shame because like she were really similar. I would have liked to get to know her more. And how lucky of a per guy he is because he, he has her in his life. And and I thought, you know, okay, cool. I didn't have anything to say to that. So I just, you know, stayed quiet and um, continued talking. I, I didn't want to tell her that I was performing too. But then she told me, like, if you want to send me the pictures, I'll give you I'll give you my number. And I was like, oh, so that, this is your subtle way of giving me your number. That's that's funny. I, I knew at that point she had a boyfriend, so I wasn't trying to hit on her. You know, I was just being trying to be jokative, I guess, and playful. And she's like, yeah, if I wanted to give you my number, I would have given you my number. This is the only way to get the pictures. I'm like, oh, OK. I was I was planning on looking at the pictures later, actually. But in that case, I'll just send them to you now. And I said that also as a, as a joke, you know, who the hell would actually say that to a person if they were going to look at the pictures in a weird way? Aside from the fact that if you guys actually listen to the podcast, I mentioned that I haven't masturbated in 500 days, so I wouldn't <laughs> look at the pictures anyways. Uh, so I don't know, later on, later on in the night, she performs and she sings and we sing, I, like I'm in the crowd singing with her and then I, then I perform and... I go on stage and I put my mask on and they're like, go, 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 go. I sit on the stool and the mics were too low for me to clap properly, so I had to raise them. But I, I, I was still like in costume, hoodie with the mask, and no one knew who I was besides maybe a few people and who like know my profile, who know my, my structure as a human being so they can tell that this is me. So I clap it, I clap away, and when I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on stage, I, I got like really nervous in a weird way. I wasn't afraid, but my body didn't know what was going on. I was in a new situation, and I started shaking while I was, I was on there, and I was like, I'm not going to stop myself from shaking or focus on trying to stop myself shaking. I'm going to make it as if it's a part of the show. So I start shaking as if I'm still learning how to clap with my hands, and then then I go into actually clapping a lot, but like I am literally shaking <laughs> all over my body. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not in total control, and it's exciting, and I this is new to me, and I don't know what's going on. So I clap, clap, and clap away. The time didn't feel like it was three minutes and a half. The minute the song was three, three and a half minutes long, and it felt like two seconds to be honest. And I, I clapped it away and everyone was completely silent no one understood what the hell was happening like they no one announced me going up on stage i just went up on stage and sat down and everyone just stayed quiet on their own the song played and i i just breathed and and started you know and it was awesome it was amazing and at the end you know i i wasn't really looking at the crowd but like halfway through the song i looked up on the crowd and i was like oh shit there's like 50 80 people or more that are looking at me right now, sole attention is on me, doing something I've never done in front of anyone really before. And uh, at the end of it, I, I finished the song and like the entire time my face was slowly tilting down, but then I just look up at them and I breathe again. I wait and then I, at this point I would have liked if the lights shut down or turned off and I was dark and then I, then I just sort of disappeared. It would have been more theatrical, but I got up and, and left slowly. And they all like clapped out of out of shock and amazement, and I was just like, "Whoa, 
that was intense. And after me, actually, I wanted to be the last act, but after me, there was this uh, comedian who wanted to do a stand-up stand-up show. And before I went on stage, he was just going around telling me how he's so nervous and he he's so nervous, he doesn't know if it's going to go well and he doesn't know if he's ready and all of that. And I look at him, I didn't tell him what my talent was, but I told him, dude, like opening after me might be, it's going to be the easiest thing for you to do. Just like make a small joke about my talent and then go with your sketch. But, uh, and he told me, yeah, that's a good idea. But then like when I left the stage, he went on and he like out of how much he was nervous, he didn't even mention what just happened, you know? How often do you see a guy clap with one hand and wearing, while wearing a mask and a hoodie, right? Uh, but yeah, he just, he just sucked <laughs> as a comedian, you know? You need to be aware that people are aware of things and you need to point those things out. Uh, be like, what the hell just happened, guys? I, didn't, I did not see that coming, you know? <laughs> and um, yeah, but I didn't mind, you know? My body was still like sort of in, in shock because I never did something like this before and I wanted to push that limit and I did. But yeah, it was time. It was time to go home. So I, I went. I went home. I saw Lubo again. I uh, gave him his mask, and he gave me some things I forgot at his place. And then we're leaving the building, and I go outside, and I see two people from the organizing team, like very serious and having phone calls outside. And I look at them while I was leaving, and I, I ask them, "Guys, is everything okay?" And they tell me, "Yeah, we're just dealing with something." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. If you need anything, let me know." And I, I leave. I still had Carly's bicycle, so I got her bicycle back to her, and I was planning on recording a podcast walking home from her place, which would have been a 23-minute walk. So I gave her the bike. She was leaving to Amsterdam the next day, said bye, and said bye to her, and then ordered two kebabs outside of her place because I hadn't eaten all day, and I was just so focused on just performing that I forgot to eat, and I didn't have food to eat or time to eat. So I got two kebabs, ate one on the way, and I started recording in the kebab store with the guy as he was like, well, as I was paying him for the kebab. But uh, as I was walking and eating, just didn't feel right to talk. I just wanted to, de- to devour that kebab, and I did talk a bit, but uh, whatever, you know. I got home, I put the other kebab in the fridge, and uh, and yeah, I. Uh, I slept like a like a fucking baby, <laughs> to be honest. And then I woke up and we had the session again with the with the committee, and uh, it, w- it went amazing. For like, I-, I was there at nine. I didn't have time to have breakfast, and then uh, the committee session went on till eleven. So for those two hours, I was basically like telling everyone what to do and when to do it, and making sure everything went well. And everyone was so excited to debate and so so ready to go at it and everything and then at 11 there was a coffee break and I was like okay uh, I got I got out to have a tea and while I was having a tea those organizers from yesterday that were on the phone uh, they came came up to me and told me Khalid yo can we talk to you for a little bit and I'm like yeah uh, for sure what's up and then I stand there and we go to a corner and they, they tell me like very bluntly um, Khalid You've been a great chair, but we've had a lot of complaints from you that you've been sexually harassing women and they feel very uncomfortable around you. And because of that, we'd like you to pack your things and leave the forum right now and just leave the MUN. And I look at them and I've I've been told worse news in my life and I don't let things like this phase me. So I really kept my cool and it didn't phase me at all. 
And I told them, okay, can you explain to me what's going on exactly, like uh, what's happening? And they further explained, like, there's a few girls that you commented on and then took pictures of, and they felt really uncomfortable and they wanted to get the police involved, but we told them not to. And we found that because the incidents were numerous, we decided to cut the losses, and I th- we think this is the best way to go on about this, and we want you to to just take your things and leave. And I tell them like, yo, this is unacceptable. I haven't, I haven't harassed them. My intention was always good. I would never hurt any of these girls. And just kicking me out like this is inappropriate. I paid a lot to come here. I'm spending a lot of time to be here. And I'm here for my delegates. And I'm making sure that my delegates are having a very good time. And they're growing. And I'm seeing them grow. And I'm taking care of them. We have dudes. We have, we had this guy in the forum. And when he stood up and to speak and he wanted to say a speech, his voice was so low and he was so shy of speaking or raising his voice. And he's he's insecure about it and insecure about a lot of things. But being here and with me, making him feel comfortable, he became louder and louder as he debated. And I was just happy to see him grow. And I, I was telling them, like, yo, I'm here for the delegates and we're having a great time. You just want me to leave just like that? They're like, yes. Uh, you don't have to leave the hotel. Uh, we're not kicking you out of the hotel. They got us like a, a room in a two-star hotel and uh, that was close to the conference venue. So they told me how you can stay there. We're not kicking you out of the hotel, but we would like you to not approach the conference or the premise or the socials uh, tonight and tomorrow. And I looked at them and I'm like, so there's no way for me to stay. They're like, no, we apologize. Uh, the, if if the reports were just you know a single report, then uh, we would have tried to find a different solution. But the, a lot, like more than one person, came forward to complain about you. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, sure. Uh, just before I leave, can I at least say goodbye to my delegates and then leave? And they're like, if that's what you want, then yeah, sure, no problem. You can you can say goodbye. So I <laughs> I was like, okay, now I'm faced with this situation. You know, this changes a few things. I had a flight that comes back to Hamburg on basically tomorrow. And now I am in Hamburg. You know, I just left and I came to, to Hamburg directly. He's booked some buses and came. But uh, afterwards, you know, I, I packed my things. I told my chairs that I'm leaving. I didn't explain why. But then my delegates came to the room and I told them very, very softly, like, uh, guys, I have to I have to leave right now. I have to go back to Germany. Something urgent came up. But it was amazing spending all of this time with you. You guys have so much potential and you you have such great hearts and you guys are making the world a better place. And I believe in each and every one of you. And I swear to God, you know, I saw some tears in a few faces. Uh, <laughs> like uh, there was this delegate of uh, Nigeria. She was, I think, from Indonesia, I'm not sure. And when she stood up to introduce herself in the first day, she told everyone how she loves the Avengers. And I thought that was really cute. And I just loved I loved it every time she talked. And I saw her tear up a bit when I said that I'm leaving. I appreciated that. And then I told them, yeah, I'm leaving. But whoever wants to stay in touch, you know, I have a podcast called Midnight Wisdom and you can listen to me there. And if any of you are listening to this right now, now you know why I actually left. And uh I think it's a it's complete bullshit that I'm here right now. But uh, at the same time, you know, honestly, since the first day, since the first second I stepped into the MUN, I felt like something was off. Honest to God, like I felt like the energy in the place wasn't right and I didn't belong there and I didn't feel like this was where I needed to be. And the second that they told me that I have to leave, 
that bad energy I felt sort of manifested itself to me in this form. And then I felt like I, I understood it. I understood what was happening and it felt right that I had to, I had to go. This is why I didn't complain about it or this is why I just accepted it instantly. I asked them, I asked, I asked them actually like what were the complaints and what actually went down, how many people complained. They told me we cannot tell you any of this information, it's confidential, which I think is, is nonsense because how the hell am I supposed to, because you did, they didn't try to hear anything from my side. They just got these few girls that complained about something and, and they didn't try to hear my perspective of it. They just dealt with it this way. And I, I think this is a very, very incorrect way to deal with something like this because it doesn't solve any problems. You know, first off, you have people who complain about something like, like honestly, those two girls that I took pictures of, they complained and I, I can understand why they think comments like, oh, kiss now, or I'm going to look at these pictures later is, is pretty, they can take that as, as, as offensive and they can feel bad and I can totally understand that. But it's just a shame that they would read my intention as something bad instead of thinking that I'm just, you know, having fun and just, you know, making stupid jokes. I would never look at your pictures, nor would I ever care about looking at, at your pictures, to be honest. And um, it's just a shame because seeing how playful this person was and how we sang together and everything and then seeing how she would actually go and complain without just telling me like, dude, you said the, you said these things. I think that's inappropriate. Uh, don't do that again. And if someone actually came to me and told me that, I'd be like, honestly, I, I didn't know that that's how, how that made you feel. I'm, I re I'm really sorry. And I wouldn't repeat that again. And I respect you for coming up and, and talking to me. Now, that would be the ideal situation. And I, I would apologize and I would understand. But I think there's such, a, such an underlying weakness behind dealing with a situation like this where someone says something like that and you quickly go and... Sure, sure, I can understand why you would go to someone else because there's just this unsafety or there's there's this danger between when you want to confront something that bothers you, you know. She doesn't know that I would be understanding. She might think that um, I would actually, she might think that, that confronting me might lead to more danger. So I, I can really understand why people would not be confrontational. But at the same time, I, I think it's, it's sad and weak when people don't confront on things they think is, think, is is important or things that are important. So I, I I had a lot of time to think about this. You know, I I they told me to leave at uh, eleven fifteen. I left at like eleven forty. Went back to the hotel, packed, ate the kebab in the fridge, called my dad, told him what happened, and he he just listened and understood. And he's like, yeah, I, I can understand. Just reevaluate the situation, reevaluate your actions, because something like this happening is not cool. It's not cool, you know being kicked out of a conference for on the premise of sexual harassment that's just it is really not cool and knowing that i i never hurt anyone or i never intended to hurt anyone and just because you know some girls might have felt uncomfortable sexually by me being around them without me even intending to to be <laughs> that that's that's fucked right i reevaluated a lot of my actions but then i realized that who i i went through all the interactions I had with every single girl that I interacted with ever since I stepped foot in the damn city. And then I understood that uh, the girl that I, I flirted with that first night when I went out in front of that uh, first party, that, that went fine, you know, we flirted a bit, nothing really happened, but we just flirted and it was fun. And then she left. But then the next day, <laughs> I started talking to started talking to one of her friends who I didn't get the chance to talk to the day earlier. 
And we started talking and I thought like, oh, this girl is actually pretty cool. You know, she she actually has a lot of personality, a lot more than her friend. And I just flirted with her friend, you know, really basically. Like it was just back and forth talk or nothing really went down. So I, I talk to her and I tell her like, like you're actually interesting after like 20 minutes of talking to her. And I tell her, yeah, we should have a wine together tonight and get to know each other a bit more. And she's like, yeah, let's see. We, we could probably, I have a lot to do, but like, here's my my Facebook and, and like, let's just text me after we're done and uh, uh, let's let's see if we can meet up. And then after we were actually done, I I went and I saw her and I was like, yeah, you, would you still like to have that wine? And she's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, okay, that's confusing. You seemed a bit more excited beforehand. And she's like, yeah, but the the thing you expect from me, you're not you're not gonna get it. And I'm like, okay, that's what you okay, no no worries. Uh, it's a shame, but fine. And I leave. And yeah, then it then it makes made sense to me that she found out that I I was flirting with her friend earlier, obviously because friends talk. And then I, I would assume that both of them complained together rather than just her by herself because they said there, there were numerous uh, complaints. And those two girls that I was, I took those pictures of and made those two jokes. And then, then there was, there was this one girl that I think that like this, I think the situation is really retarded what happened because we had a legal advisor in our committee and a legal, legal advisor is basically someone who's useless, just sits there and watches and just makes sure, make, make sure that the, procedures that are being followed are followed properly and she was really cute you know and when she she came to me and told me at some point that she's coming into our committee to be our legal advisor I'm like oh that's that's nice we have an uh, an extra pretty face in the room that's going to to make everything a lot better I said something around those lines and then when we went inside and, and we sat we sat inside she had her laptop in her hands and her Nail her, her nails were matching her laptop color. Both were purple. And I was like, oh, so purple is your color. And she looks at her hands and she's like, oh, no, not really. It's just like this laptop ended up being purple. I couldn't buy the black one because I wanted the black one. And now I have, uh, now I, I just did my nails according to, to the color of the laptop. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I just continued moderating the session. I didn't, I didn't talk to her more than that. And then the next day I was actually on my laptop and, and people were working on some documents, our delegates were working on documents. And I sent her, I told her like, it would be nice if I can send you the documents so you can go through them and make sure that they're okay. And she's like, okay, let me give you my email. I was like, fine, I go on my Hotmail and I start sending her an email. I'm like, what's your name? She's like, Maria, blah, blah, blah. And I write Maria and somehow the rest of her email comes up as a suggestion to, to send an email to. And she's like, how do you have my email? really accusatively, you know, and I'm, I look at her and I'm like, yeah, we were probably CC'd in the same email or we're, we're linked to the same document or something. Uh, I didn't even think about it twice. And she looks at me like very afraid and then she leaves and 15 minutes later, they tell me to leave. So I assume that was, <laughs> I assume that was like the complaint that, uh, that, that triggered, you know, let's kick this dude out. But, you know, I thought that was really retarded that she, she felt like maybe I found I got her email somehow some like I don't know how she thought that I got her email but the fact that she thought you know that this is scary let me go complain because this guy his email suddenly suggested that, that my email is there I thought that was so stupid you know like god but I'm glad I had nothing to do with any of these women you know like <laughs>
I, I never intended to hurt any of them. I never, I, I was just like asked one to have a wine with me. And the second she said no, I was like, okay. And I left. Uh, I sure took pictures of, of two girls, but like that was after half an hour of us talking and laughing. And I thought like I can make these types of jokes with them without them thinking that I'm trying to sexually harass them. And then there was those two friends that, uh, you know, they found out that I hit on both of them and they, that pissed them off for some reason. <laughs> and that was like, I, I never actually insulted anyone. I never, you know, did an approach that I shouldn't have. I never tried to, to, I never tried to hurt anyone in any way, you know, like my intention was always good, but that's how they perceived it. And they felt that they had the need to complain. And I can, I can understand that. But it just puts me in a in a weird position, you know. Imagine imagine being told, you know, you have to leave because you made these women feel sexually uncomfortable. Like, how are you how are you supposed to take that? And and I think I took it really well because like, how how the fuck else are you gonna take it? I accepted it. I said goodbye to my delegates and I left. And I saw no reason for me to stay at the hotel any longer. I was like, why the fuck would I stay in a place that I'm unwanted? Simply unwanted. I'll just book a bus and leave. And that's what I that's what I did. I booked the fastest bus out of there and I got, I got out and I, I felt so it felt so right to get out and uh, and I did you know that's <laughs> that's so important but yeah like I, I had to reevaluate this because when I when they were telling me that I had to leave they told me we wish we wish that you were the only person we had to ask to leave because of this and I was like what so I'm not the only person you're kicking out based on sexual harassment they're like no you're like the third I was like, what? Really? You kicked two people already because of this? And they're like, yes. And th then like, I, I tried to think back to it. I thought like at the opening ceremony where they introduced the delegates to the, to the MUN, they mentioned specifically like, everyone, this is a no harassment MUN. We will not tolerate any type of harassment. Anyone who feels harassed a tiny bit, come talk to us and just come talk to us. No harassment. Which I, which I can understand, you know, like make people feel safe and this is a safe environment and cool and all of that. But if that's, the, that's what you tell everyone to focus on from the start, then that's what they're going to focus on. But I've, I've always thought like, honestly, like I'm not going to sugarcoat this. MUNs, I think, is a place for people to, to hook up with other cool, smart people. And that's what it's always been for me in a, in a, in a very real sense. Uh, a lot of people from all over the world, really intelligent, really bright, really at it. And if you flirt and, and there's a connection, awesome, go for it. If there isn't a connection, I'm not going to continue pursuing you. And I didn't continue pursuing anyone that I didn't f see a connection with. The only person I felt a connection with, I actually told directly after they told me to leave. I brought her and I sat her down and I told her, listen, I'm not going to tell this to anyone else, but I felt like you really need to know this 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 happened i'm being kicked out of the mun based on on this situation and i felt like i really had to let you know out of everyone and and i knew i could tell her because she actually took that really well and and she accepted it and understood it and she was like okay you know i think that's it's bullshit that they're kicking you out but it is what it is and i was like yeah that's what it is life is life i'm not gonna let something like this bother me you know if i'm if i if i if i'm brought down by something like this and I feel like, like this, this is something that I can't move, move forward from, then who am I? You know, how am I going to build the things that I want to build? And how am I going to create the change I want to create in the world? At the same time, I'm, I am so grateful that this thing happened to me in this type of environment, you know, because 
it was a safe environment for me to be accused of something like that because it's not going to go beyond those walls. It is going beyond those walls by me actually talking about it and I want to talk about it because I I never want anything like this to happen again, obviously. And, and in the future, you know, who knows what type of situation might pop out where people try to accuse you of things like this. And if something like this happens again, I, I deal with it so differently. And honestly, it did happen before at, an, at the previous MUN I was at, and that's why it hit the hardest. And I told my dad both times, and he told me like, bro, if this happened twice, then you need to reevaluate your shit. And I was like, bro, I know, I know. But the first time it actually happened, I was uh, I was an admin staff, like I was, I was the type of person who would help out in, in the organizing or, or the small stuff, like giving people... Uh, breakfast or giving them croissants or snacks or things like that but in one committee I was uh, actually one of my previous delegates a few years back she was actually chairing a committee so I sat with her and I she let me sit and try to chair a bit with her and that was fun and then she wanted to do punishments for her delegates and I told her I'm great at doing punishments let me do the punishments and she's like okay no problem so uh, when I was in my semester in Madrid, actually, I uh, we went to this trip, road trip, like 60, no, a bit more, maybe 120 students. We went on our like a trip to the north in a camp, and we camped there for a day. And over there at night, we played this game. They brought like maybe 15 people in a circle, and I was one of those 15 people. And they brought out a stuffed elephant and they gave the elephant to, to the first person to the right and they told them, okay guys, now everyone has to kiss the elephant uh, on one body part. Uh, but the rule is you cannot kiss the same body part twice. And I, like everyone, we're 15 strangers and we all started laughing like, okay. And then they, they spread the elephant between everyone. Everyone kissed a different spot. I think I kissed the ear and the right ear yes and then it passed by me and it got to, to the end and and then like everyone kissed the body part fantastic so <laughs> the next the next thing in the game she says uh, it was a girl actually introducing the game she said okay now this is the plot twist every single one of you who kissed the elephant at a certain place you have to kiss the person next to you to your right where you kissed the elephant and everyone was like, oh, <laughs> that's going to be embarrassing. But everyone, you know, did it. And, uh, you know, some people kissed, you know, the top of people's feet or their back or their ears. I kissed the, per the person next to me on the ear. And there was there was a girl or a guy who kissed the, the elephant on the mouth. So what he did was he jokingly held the girl in a romantic position and made it, as, made it look as if he, he was making out with her by blocking her head from the rest of us. Which I think like was a cool move on his side, you know. He was a funny dude. Uh, his name was Majid, and he, he he had such a distinctive laugh. But he was always on MDMA. This guy, <laughs> funny dude. So, so yeah, he didn't actually kiss her, but like we all laughed, and then we continued with our day. So in this committee with my with my with my delegate who is now a chair, she had a stuffed toy, uh, a goose called Gunta. And I took pictures with Gunta before, and I have pictures with him on Facebook. So I took all the delegates and the ones that needed to be punished, and I put them in a circle, and I did the same exact game. And I told them, you know, kiss them in a kiss a body part of the turtle and of the goose. Sorry, and they did. 
And then when it came back to me, I told him, the plot twist is, now you have to kiss the person next to you on where you kiss the 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 goose. And everyone did, you know, everyone, uh, someone kissed someone's hand, someone kissed someone's ear, someone kissed someone's shoulder, someone kissed someone's foot. I was like, yes, you go, boy. And at the end, 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 like the last two people, um, uh, there was a girl who kissed the goose on the mouth and without even asking, without even thinking about it, without anything, she went ahead and kissed the boy next to her on the mouth. And I was like, oh shit, I did not see that coming. I look at her, I'm like, that was awesome. I high five her, you know, I, I laugh. I think like it's pretty cool to, that she actually did that. And then uh, everyone goes to their committee and everything's fine. And then the next day, <laughs> I get a call from the secretary general and he's like, yo, you, you, did a, you did a type of punishment and one of the girls there felt really sexually uncomfortable. Because of that, we don't want you to come to the conference today. Now that for me was shocking, but that I really understand, you know, this this girl felt like she was under pressure in a social group and she actually kissed a guy she didn't want to kiss, even though she didn't complain, she didn't object, she didn't, she didn't anything. She just went with it and did it, but out of the pressure, out of everything, she did it and she wasn't comfortable with it and she complained and she actually was bothered by it. Not something I can really understand. And it's something that I, I took a lesson from and I was like, okay, I'm not going to force anyone to play a game that's sexual like that ever again. Or if I do, I'm going to make it very clear that anyone who doesn't want to do it can back out, you know. But this new situation happening again, it didn't shock me as much because that happened too. But uh, like really, like what type of, like what type of... <laughs> What am I supposed to, how am I supposed to see this and how am I supposed to react to this? You know, something being kicked out of two MUNs twice because uh, because of people complaining that they were sexually uncomfortable. Honestly, like one thing for sure, like I, I get out of this is that I think it bothers me a lot that people go through this, the path of, of having to complain instead of actually confront which bothers me because it shows a type of weakness in people that I don't appreciate. But at the same time, I can understand why people don't confront. So I'm at odds with this, you know, like, I don't like how, how they dealt with the situation, just calling me and telling me to not come, for example, uh, a year ago. No, I would have actually preferred to see that girl and apologize to her, to her face, and really, like, make it very clear to her that I really didn't mean to hurt her. And I can understand that she feels uncomfortable. And that would really, confronting that, the problem that way for her will help her down the line with, with this type of experience because then she'll, she would have closed that chapter and it would have been solved. But just eliminating the problem and letting it simmer in the background where no one can see, that doesn't really help anyone long term. This girl would actually go home and still be bothered. She would still be annoyed even if I was or wasn't there. But actually seeing that I'm a human being and I didn't mean for that to happen and I can understand and support her, that's going to help her in a way that just me disappearing isn't going to help her. So for sure, like if I am in a leadership position, let's say, and something like this happened, I really wouldn't deal with it like these people dealt with it, where we just listen to the woman. It doesn't matter what the guy thinks or what he says or what he did. They were bothered by him. Just kick him out. No discussion, no no anything, you know, I didn't do anything illegal, I didn't hurt anyone physically, I didn't hurt anyone verbally, I didn't, I didn't intend to hurt anyone at least, and you never bothered to listen to me, I'm, I'm the one who paid so much to come here too, and I'm here for my delegates, 
and you just kicked me out without a second thought. Um, it's not right. It's really not right. You know, if you want to kick me out, that's fine. But at least let me feel like I have a voice to be heard too, not just you, not just the few women who two of them uh, complained because I hit on both of them and that pissed them off. And that for them is an ego issue, you know. They're, <laughs> that's an ego problem that they have to deal with, you know. That has nothing to do with me. Uh, they just felt like they both liked me and then they both realized that they they felt sort of betrayed that I hit on both of them. And that's where that complaint came from. And then those two girls with the pictures, I can understand. But I really thought I could make those types of jokes around them. But I guess I was wrong. But otherwise, you know, and then this other girl with the email situation, like, really, like, that was... <laughs> That was just her being stupid, you know? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to take this problem outside of myself and be like, this it has nothing to do with me. No, it definitely has something to do with me. I have this sexual nature with, with women that I find attractive. And for me, I thought MUN was the place to to show that type of nature. I'm not trying to, I, I never hit on any, any, any of my delegates, anyone that's under me in a hierarchy. I would never try to use that to get with them. And, uh, <laughs> and, it's just just sad that this is how it ended up being. But at the same time, it felt so right that I left, you know, it felt so right leaving. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm glad I'm leaving. I'm glad I'm out. This is not my place. This is not where I need to be. It's such an important lesson to take out of this so that things like this can happen. I'm glad it happened in a safe environment where the consequences were me just going home. And I want to be home. It's actually a good thing for me. I have so much to do and I feel comfortable being here right now and I can catch up on sleep and eat well and just be around people who appreciate me and love me. And it feels right to have left, honest to God. And I'm glad I, I didn't stay. But the lesson I got out of it was 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 good. It, you show you see people in different light. You see yourself in a different light too. And it's, it's, it's healthy. Like I'm just I'm glad I can share it with you guys. And... I really, like, would not want to be in the situation again, you know, and who knows who would listen to this recording, for example, 10 years from now and actually try to use it to support their case in, a, in trying to blackmail me or trying to, to, to frame me, let's say, for being whatever they want to frame me for. And that's really possible, and that's really that really could happen. All I know is that my intention is good, and I'll always continue to try and be good, and I would never hurt anyone. The second this girl said no, I with the wine girl, for example, I just I was just sad, you know. I made a few jokes to try to to soften soften the blow, you know. I went for my heart, and I'm like, oh, and you know, and then, then I left. And then I texted her on Facebook and I continued the joke. I was like, whoa, I, I didn't know that asking you out for a wine can be this dangerous. And she's and what she answered was, then then you should learn to back off when someone tells you no. And that, that confused me because the second she said no, I was like, okay. And I didn't push it and I left and I didn't talk to her after that. But hey, like I said, you know, there, there were French, some people, some French people have an attitude and they, she was pissed about me hitting on her friend too, and she she wanted to complain, and I, I can get that, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel good to be honest. Uh, it, I feel sort of an Arabic Muslim, and it, it I feel misjudged, you know. I I don't like people judging me in this light. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
the energy in the MUN all over felt wrong, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one who felt it. You know, the, it wasn't planned properly. There were supposed to be 500 delegates coming, and there were only like 300, so that's 200 people missing. And it felt empty. It felt bad. It felt not planned properly. We did, they didn't give us enough food. They didn't give us enough anything. They weren't as supportive as they needed to be, or they weren't there as often as they needed to be, and uh, just it just felt off all over. So I'm sure I wasn't the only person that felt that, and I'm sure that that type of energy, when you feel it around you, it makes you act out in a way that uh, that just supports that energy, right? Because that's the energy that you're in. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I, I got to see a very good friend of mine in Maastricht, and I, I love that I got to see her. I got to perform clapping in front of an audience. I've never done that before, so I got to break that wall. I got to meet really interesting people that I hope I get to see more often in my life, you know, especially, um, you know, it felt really good telling that that girl specifically that, that this is the situation that happened. And I'm really glad that she actually understood. And I'm really happy that I got to spend time with the delegates that I had. They were wonderful people, really good hearts. And really, they were making the world a better place just by being there. I actually had... Uh, worth, that's worth mentioning the delegate of uh, Algeria so directly right after they told me I needed to leave I went to pack my things and and you know my I wasn't in total shock you know I was just like okay this is the reality of the situation and this is how I need to act now to accommodate that reality and I, I go to my to my desk and I start packing my things and this delegate comes up to me delegate of Algeria and he's a great delegate, you know, he debated a lot and he he was really diplomatic and uh, really smart and really, um, how can I say this, knowledgeable, yeah. He came up to me and he's like, yo, I, I, uh, chair, honorable chair, I wanted to ask you this earlier, but do you do you have feedback for me? And I looked at him, you know, and I was, I, I just got, you know, five minutes out of being kicked out of the, <laughs> the MUN, but... He is exactly why I'm here. I was there so I can help him and everyone else in that room become better people. That was my job and that was the only purpose for why I was there. Trying to hook up or get laid was really a secondary objective and it ended up <laughs> screwing up my first objective, obviously. But uh, <clears throat> I looked at him and I looked him in the eyes and I, I was calm and I looked at him and I said, what do you think you need to change about yourself? And he paused and he started thinking and I, I let him think, I didn't interrupt that. Just let him think, let him think, let him think. It took him like 30 seconds of pure silence. And he said, okay, I need to practice my English. I think my English needs a bit of work. So I looked at him and I'm like, what are you doing to practice your English? And he said, yeah, I'm taking classes back in Barcelona and I'm practicing with uh, with my writing and with my words and my everything. And I looked at him, I'm like, practicing with your writing is important, but what's more important is your accent. You do have an accent, and I'm sorry to say this, but people will take you more seriously if your accent is, is more proper. And he looked at me, he was like, you're right. And I looked at him and I said, yes, how how are you going to improve your accent? And he thought to himself and he didn't know. And I told him, okay, what I do is I record myself. Obviously, I have a podcast. I record myself and I listen to myself talk. And then as you listen to yourself talk, which, by the way, is not something a lot of people have the courage to do, but I'm sure you have the courage to do that. Listen to yourself and see how you say certain words and how you think you can actually practice saying those words in a way, in a better accent, and just practice those movements with your mouth in front of a mirror. 
and you'll get that down. And he was like, okay, so I should start listening to myself to improve my accent. Fantastic. And he's like, do you have any other advice? I'm like, no, what do you think you need to improve? <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, okay, I think I think when I talk, I feel like I'm rushed. So when delegates, when delegates talk about uh, whatever they're debating, they usually have one minute to say their speech. So he, he told me, like, I feel really rushed in this one minute and, like, I try to bring everything I want to say into a close and it doesn't, it, I always feel rushed. And I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, I can understand that. But remember, you have one minute and when you try to cram a lot into one minute, people end up not hearing anything. So what's important is to understand that within that one min- minute, you want to get one message, two messages, tops across to people. But you have to be very clear on the message that you're trying to get across. Once you know that, you'll get that across within the minute and you won't be rushed and you'll probably save some time too. So just focus on a single point and do it. And he looks at me like, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're right. I'm like, yeah, uh, cool, let's let's continue. What else do you think you need to improve? And uh, he, he looked at me and he says, yeah, I think I move my hands too too quickly and too fast. And I look at him and I say, okay, what do you think you can do about that? <laughs> Again... And he told me, like, yeah, I can be calmer, slower, or anything. I'm like, you know what I think would look good on you? And I take his hand, and I let him put it in his pocket, and I let tell him, talk right now. And he starts talking with his hand in his pocket. I'm like, yeah, that actually looks a lot better. Try that out right now. And see how that feels as you continue. And he's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to try that. It feels right. I'm like, I'm glad you think it feels right. And uh, then he's like, wow, thank you so much. That's that's amazing. I'm like, no, no, before you go, tell me right now, what are what what are the things you need to change and how do you th- how do you need to change them? And he looks at him, he's like, okay, my accent and I need to record and listen to myself. Uh, feeling rushed, but then I just have to focus my message on one certain point and get that message across. And then my body language, I just need to be a bit slower and be relaxed and put my hand my hand in my pocket, for example, as I talk, and then like then I have my other hand to talk with. So that's half the information being displayed outwardly to the world. Uh, and I looked at him and I smiled and I shook his hand and I'm like, but otherwise, you shouldn't worry. You're doing a great job and I'm really proud of the progress I've seen in you the past two days. And he smiled and he, I saw like he was really happy. You know, and that made me happy, even though like 10 minutes ago I was told to leave the forum. And that was why I was there, you know, for these people. And I, I didn't want what happened to disturb that that goal or that mission. And I did that, you know, and, and I then I afterwards directly said bye to all of them, told them about the podcast, told them about the online course. And now I'm here. I took a bus, talked to my dad and said bye to those I needed to say bye to and, and left. But really, like, uh, it's nice to get this off my chest. Uh, It doesn't feel that good, but at the same time, I'm glad that I was put in this type of situation in an environment where there weren't really any real consequences. Because I'm sure, like, if this happened right now, I'm sure that if if it's not at least me personally, that I'll still see this type of situation happen around me. And I'll be more aware of how different groups are, are feeling and reacting. You know, you have the people that feel that they were hurt, and the people who probably hurt those people really without intending to. I never intended to hurt anyone, but I still did uh, somehow. And how how do I take responsibility for that? How do I apologize? How do I make things better? 
I asked myself all of those questions, but all they asked me was leave, which I still don't think is right. But whatever, you know, like we're, we're living in a society where I think people are really a lot softer than they need to be in a lot of ways. And I think it's just in a way very weak that people would react like that to those things, you know, like she could have easily, at least with the picture situation, I actually thought like we were similar and like we were, we were sort of from the same branch, you know, playful and fun. And I thought I could be that with her, apparently not. And, you know, she could have easily told me, delete all the pictures right now and never talk to me again. And I would have been like... All right, that's done. No worries. But she thought, you know, complaining was the right way. And if she thinks that's the case, good for her. But otherwise, I'm just going to continue to try to be a good person because that's all I've ever wanted to, to be. You know, even in the MUN during the time in Maastricht, sorry, during the time in Maastricht, I had the opportunity to to do good with my delegates, to do good in, in, the, in my surroundings. I was, I was walking to the supermarket the first day I was there. The first day I was there, I was walking to the supermarket and on the floor, I see a big black wallet in the parking lot. And I, I look at it, I'm like, oh, wallet. I go pick up that wallet. I check the wallet to see if there's an ID, to see if there's something to get me back to the person who owns this wallet. I didn't think about taking the money. I didn't think about keeping the wallet. None of that even entered my brain. I was like, okay, here's a wallet. What's the easiest way and fastest way for me to make sure this wallet gets to the rightful person? And then I start walking. Lubo was next to me. And I start walking and I start checking the ID. And I wanted to just open up the ID when someone to my right in his car looks at me. And he says, you, come. And I go to him and he says, this mine. <laughs> and I look at him and I'm like, yeah, but can, can I see the ID? And like he got pissed at that and he just took it and he drove away. And and I was like, whoa, <laughs> did he did this guy just think I was going to steal his wallet, even though like all my intention was was to somehow get it, get it back to him. And then I thought, you know, maybe it isn't even his wallet. You know, I should have really checked the ID and made sure that it was. But then I look in front of me and this, there's this guy in front of the supermarket door, like five meters away. He looks at me and he smiles, this big smile. He looks at me, and he just gives me a thumbs up. And he walks inside of the supermarket and I was like, yeah, I give him a thumbs up, thumbs up back and I smile and he, he smiles and leaves. And I just thought that was cool, you know, even though this guy who maybe or maybe didn't own the wallet, but he took it anyways. Uh, that situation happened and that didn't feel that good. It made me real feel good, made me feel really good that this guy outside of the entire situation actually saw it and, you know, appreciated something that he had nothing to do with. And then went on with his day. I thought that was cool. But then it made me think, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't attributed to me that I did something good right now. I didn't choose for the wallet to be there. I didn't choose for the person that owned the wallet to be that close. I didn't choose any of that. I ended up doing a good thing, not because my intention, my intention was to do good, but the good, I felt more like the good happened through me rather than it was something that I did. And I've been feeling that a lot, you know, and I've been seeing more opportunity for me to do good more and more often. And I think that's a funny thing that life is showing me lately. And I wouldn't say this entire situation was bad, right? Everything sort of worked out perfectly for me to get home. You know, like I had a kebab in the fridge. I had returned the bike already to Carly and everything was so smooth, you know, even though it was something that was technically bad. I think it was something that really needed to happen. 
and I'm thankful for for the experience regardless. <laughs> we said this is going to be a long journey and this is one lesson along the road, right? I hope we all learned something out of this. I know I did and I'm glad I could share my story with you guys. Uh, at least now I feel heard, right? I love all of you and take care. <laughs>